Dungeoneers. Welcome to Applied Dungeoneering, the D&D 5e actual play podcast that enjoys pouring over the not-so-ancient tomes that make up the rules of the game. I'm Josh, the Dungeon Master, the man hidden in the book who runs the game, and I'm joined, as always, by my friends and co-hosts. We have Daniel over here, planning his next step to create an overpowered character. Okay, so we combine that feat and this feat together. If I crit, does like 75 damage. Ha It's perfect. Oh, yeah, and I'll update Gunner eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, that, that'll, that's definitely not foreshadowing for the future. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I hear Janelle. We have Janelle over here as well. Uh, Janelle, stop. Stop stealing! Try, stop trying to steal my books. You have your own. Stop. No, but I like other people's books, and I'm not stealing. I'm borrowing. Just buy like your own. The we have our own. I just like to borrow. It's like dessert. It's a lot. Dessert tastes much better when it's somebody else's. Yeah, books read much better when they're somebody else's. <laughs> Well, speaking of dessert, I know Nate doesn't like dessert, but he's here too, and just like dessert, he's not actually reading the books. I don't think he's actually ever picked one of them up. I read lots of books. I have a nice big bookshelf. I just only read textbooks because they're the only thing that I find interesting. All that uh, fiction literature. I can't draw graphs through that. Nerd. <laughs> he's gone beyond that. Nate's exciting over here. Well, yeah, I'd say it's pretty exciting. You see all the books I have in foreign languages. Nate's just been consumed by grad school. That's all he knows anymore. It's as if all he knows is fine dining and breathing. SpongeBob? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on from that, we have Joel here as well. And out of everyone, I think I'm most excited for his new character abilities and, uh, well, for his new character after Aegon eventually dies. Yeah, that's right. Uh, friendship with Aegon ended. Fantasy Macho Man Randy Savage is my new best friend. <laughs> yes! Oh my goodness. <laughs> and finally, we have AJ, the boy who will never have to make a new character because he just won't die. Charlatans and non-heroes, they come and go. Heroes never die. And I trust myself. I trust my muscles. Mwah! And they will not let me fall. Because everyone else will die around him, but he won't die. Well, I didn't say, I, you know, I didn't. <laughs> I, there's yeah. some qualifiers uh -huh. there. I just, yeah. I, like, specifically. Uh -huh. no, when, we, when we signed up for this podcast, we knew AJ was always going to be the protagonist. Yeah, that's true. Hey, listeners at home, how many of you think that AJ's characters are actually out to kill us? <laughs> because I believe it. <laughs> I mean, after la after last episode, I wouldn't be too surprised. Well, okay. I just figure instead of letting the internet start the rumor mill, I would I would just manufacture that myself. So why do you think I tried to charm him? It was an elaborate plan with me and Janelle to basically <laughs> prove he was innocent all along. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nate. I knew you guys were on my side. And then we were going to whisk you away and then let the guy die. But you know, minor detail. Oh, well, not. I guess. Maybe not on my side. Oh, well, you wouldn't have to kill him, but our plan didn't work out, so then you had to kill him. So Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. You know who else is on your side? 
nationwide. <laughs> <laughs> no. I well, I, I was did. just going to jump in not, with a segue before wait. Daniel jumped in. <laughs> wait, so I have to. I have. To I need say a second it. to think about what I want to say next. Oh, good, because I need to say this real quick. <clears throat> not sponsored, but very funny. <laughs> No, I was I was actually just about to make a segue into the into the episode, but now I'm now I'm lost, Daniel. You're you No, that you was threw, it. You said next episode. No, you've you threw off my groove, Daniel. Sorry. It's a good movie. This week on Applied Dungeoneering. All right, thank you. You got me back on things. So, actually guys, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today because not only do we need to continue our adventure, but you guys leveled up. Woo! Last session. Yeah. Less likely to die. Just a little bit. False. We just get harder creatures thrown at us. And we'll True. also see, because if, <laughs> if Nate and AJ roll their health again, they're they <laughs> especially Nate, there's a danger where he's just gonna be a piece of paper. It's Squish gonna be horrible. Boy. Yeah, eventually instead of instead of Jasper, we'll just call him a whisper. Uh... <laughs> well before daniel can make another bad joke so why are you uh foreshadowing how i'm just going to communicate with all of you guys why would i speak when i can just whisper into your minds <laughs> josh just do it quick do it quick all righty so before we get started i'm going to give a quick recap and then we have a little something special as well so last week you guys had a very interesting session when faced with the enthralled farmer rolf theo attempted to save him by jumping into the teleporting fountain in the middle of the ruins however this teleportation attracted the attention of one of the mechanical monstrosities that is haunting the tunnels beneath the town and it jumped right into the fight and really swayed swayed the combat in a direction the party really wasn't too interested in. And that direction was death, just in case no one picked that up. (laughs) However, Fio's efforts were in vain because Rolf exploded after you failed to save him from his fate. And then the mechanical monster turned tail and fled. So we left last session with Fio standing over the body of Farmer Rolf. But before we jump into that scene... We have another flashback. The warm, flickering light of iron lamps illuminates the darkening cobblestone city streets, which are still barely touched by the dark blue light of the fading day. The streets are empty here, but the sound of shops closing down and people departing to their homes echoes in the distance, mingling with the occasional cry of a stray cat. A light wind brushes through, gently tapping the hanging signs in front of the dark storefronts and tickling the weeds growing from between the stones. A clatter of falling wood splits the silence, and suddenly two hooded figures burst from a nearby alleyway, sending a group of frightened rats scurrying into the light of the street. Angry shouts begin to slowly fade in as they stop for a moment to peer back the way they came from before turning on their toes to sprint down the street. Moments later, a group of rough-looking men carrying daggers and crossbows come tumbling out of the alleyway 
and pivot to chase after the fleeing figures. A crossbow bolt flies over the shoulder of the taller of the hooded figures, clipping their hood. They whip around to check for more bolts, revealing a wooden mask hidden beneath their shroud, carved into the likeness of a fox. The shorter figure turns and grabs their arm, pulling them to the side as another bolt flies through the space they were a moment ago. The shorter figure's hood falls down as well, revealing their own wooden mask, carved to look like the face of a bear. The chase ducks through another alley and into another empty street, this one blocked by a mass of scaffolding for a building's construction. As they run, the shorter of the two figures slings a large shield off of his back and nods silently to his companion as they sprint forward. The tall one draws out a pair of scimitars and slashes through the supporting beams as they run, cutting deeper into the wood than a blade normally cut. And behind them, their partner slams their shield as hard as they can into the weakened wood. And then, with the sound of creaking and splitting wood and timber, the scaffolding collapses behind them as they duck into another alleyway, and their pursuers grind to a halt as their path is blocked by the wreckage and the dust thrown up from the collapsing structure. A short time later, the two figures are sitting around a small campfire, built in the interior of an abandoned tower, near a river far outside of the city. The orange fire clashes with the blue glow of the moon. Their wooden masks are sitting on the ground next to them as they huddle on the cobblestone floor of the tower, eating and laughing amongst themselves. The shorter figure, a dwarf, turns to look at the figure sitting cross-legged next to him, with a grin spreading across his face as he swallows a mouthful of bread. That was a good show, Gunner. I can still see the look on their faces when we swooped in from the roof. The taller figure turns, and without his fox mask on, we can see his slim features and small antlers beneath his tousled hair. Gunner grins and replies, Yes, that was pretty good. I didn't expect reinforcements, but you know criminals don't fight fair. The two of them let out a chuckle as the fire in front of them pops, setting up a small shower of cinders. Gunner leans forward and grabs another handful of roasted nuts from their travel pan, before turning to his companion. Ah, Bacchus. The rest of the Academy will wonder how we got so much detail into our stories and songs. The first-hand experience of a hero is perfect inspiration. Gunner takes a moment to take another drink from his flask. You just can't beat being the primary source. Cheers to that! The dwarf takes a swig from his vessel as well, then stiffles a belch. You know what, Gunner? I'm really glad we're doing this. This work just feels so refreshing. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about the stories it inspires. I just... I feel so great being able to help people, regardless of how the townsfolk feel about vigilantes. Yes, and we are in good shape because of all the parkour we do. Check out these guns. Kadoosh. Bacchus laughs a deep, hearty chuckle. That is true. I think uh, some of our classmates are getting a little suspicious. You know, you don't get hams like these. He slaps his muscular thighs. <laughs> By sitting around and writing music all day. 
The two chuckled for a bit longer before turning to look at their fire again. They sit in silence for a bit as the crickets and frogs chirp outside, searching for their own companionship. The dwarf grunts as he stands up and turns to Gunner. You know, Gunner, one of these days, I'll be more than just a scald, and you'll be more than just another bard. Bacchus turns to look out the window across the river to the city with a pensive look on his face. Someday, I'll be a hero. I'll be someone that people look up to. And you'll be there with me. Two heroes. The guardians of the people. He pauses with a glint in his eye. We will be able to protect everyone. Gunner chuckles. <laughs> Do you really think that someday we'll be strong enough to help everyone? Yes, of course. One day, we will be able to save anyone who needs our help. I can promise you that. And do you remember why that is? Bacchus and Gunner glance at each other and grin. Because that's what heroes do. And with that, we fade from Gunner's smiling face in the ruins of this tower to his frowning face in the dwarven ruins underground as he looks ahead at his companions following their fight with Farmer Rolf. So now we're going to go over some of our character level ups here. So now, Daniel, Mm -hmm. why don't you tell us what Gunner has gained from this experience? Tell us how his character has grown as you sit around with your companions in this dismal dungeon. Because normally I'd level you guys up outside of a dungeon, but this case is special. Yeah, I think Gunner changes pretty dramatically. I'll quickly go through everything he gets, and then I'll kind of explain what's what's going on inside. Uh, so yeah, one of the first things uh, Gunner gets since uh, our podcast has been going on, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything has come out. So all the classes got rebalanced with all kinds of new f- features. So now that Gunner is level 3... Gunner will retroactively get the second level bard feature, Magical Inspiration. Essentially, what that does is typically bardic inspiration helps with various things, but it's more aimed at people who fight with weapons. Now, I can give a bardic inspiration to a spellcaster, and they may be able to add it to hit points they heal or damage they deal with the spell. Oh, nice. On top of that, Gunner's training from his past all kicks back in to start it off he gets a feature called expertise which essentially doubles his proficiency bonus in two skills of his choice so in this case gunner is going to be a lot more athletic and a lot more acrobatic just like he was back in back in his old college days (laughs) back in his time in the bard's college Speaking of college, at third level, Gunnar picks a bard college. In this case, he goes with the College of Swords. For being in the College of Swords, I gain proficiency with medium armor and proficiency with the scimitar. And I can also use weapons that I'm proficient with as a spellcasting focus, as part of a magical dance of some sort. Gunnar also improves his fighting, as he also gains the two-weapon fighting style, which essentially means he does a little more damage when dual wielding. On top of that, he also gets Blade Flourish, which 
essentially whenever Gunnar attacks, his speed actually increases and he can use his bardic inspiration in different ways to pull off uh, a blade flourish, which they do a variety of things. You can, uh, I can buff my defense, I can do damage to everyone around me, or I can push somebody back. And lastly, to put the cherry on top, uh, since Gunner is now a third level bard, he gains access to second level bard spells. So I'm excited to play with those. So in Gunner's mind, after all this happens, Gunner is furious. So furious, I, it, it has been years since he's been this angry. And all of a sudden, the anger breaks in the flashback we just experienced goes through Gunner's mind and he's left there with a tear in his eye and he just kind of looks down frowning and says because that's what, what heroes do I've been holding back this whole time because I haven't been confident almost letting my friends die I can't I can't do this anymore I can't hold back anymore and I'm tired of everyone else holding back and he, he's going to march over to Fio. And while you're breaking forward and marching towards Fio, AJ, why don't you tell us what Fio gets when he levels up? Like Gunner, through Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, he gets uh, some minor stuff. Um, he's gotten a lot more perceptive. He's been pointed out what traps look like, which is great. Uh, he gains just a proficiency in that very minor. But he also gets something new, something he's not expecting at all. Uh, He's following the path of the Storm Herald, which is from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Fio gets a new ability where during his rages, he can sort of activate this environmental kind of energy. And uh, he can pick between different sort of environments to give different effects. You can only do this during certain level ups, but it's something that's very tied to his emotions as well as the environment he's around and sort of what things are happening to influence him uh, in the moment, as well as what he's been going through over the last like level or so, if that makes sense. But he doesn't really realize these things, because he's not purposely acting out and trying to seek these opportunities. Things are just sort of happening to him, and as you all know, he's very emotional. So in particular, what's very appropriate for what's going on is, is Fuse falling towards the aura of the desert. Uh, essentially, it's very fire-based and can deal damage when he's raging, as we're about to see. Yeah, so Gunnar walks straight up to Fio, and he says, Hey, Fio. <sighs> what? He's picking off the dust and soot from the explosion, barely getting himself around to see what's going on around him. What is it, Gunnar? Do you know what I want to say to you? Uh... Maybe I, I'm okay. I, fire doesn't really hurt me too much. Listen, you put a lot of people in danger with what you did. I know you were trying to do good, but I, I, you need to understand that. What? But you want to be a hero, right? I, I am a hero. You want to be a hero. You still have a lot to learn. Trust me. Can I tell you something, Fio? Maybe. He's getting a little agitated at your accusations and pointing out. A long time ago, when I was a boy, I, I met another bard who told me something 
that really stuck with me. In fact, it was the whole thing that inspired me to go to Bard College and start this whole journey. He said to me, wounds can heal and the mind can recover, but it takes expression and emotion to move people forward in life. What I'm trying to say is, Vio, I, I think V can move past the part where all of this blowing up and stuff happened. V can be okay, but whatever emotions you have, you have to let them out. You have to just release it. You, you don't understand, Gunner. It, that just don't, if I let loose and I'm not focused, what, I don't think you understand what could happen. People rely on me. And if I don't focus on what I'm doing, then I could, I could slip and, and someone could get hurt or fall. Or, that was my job. That's what I do for a living. Oh, I understand, Fio. I lived it my whole life. I know exactly what it means to be a coward. What are you saying, Gunner? I'm saying I'm tired of holding back. I know you've been holding something back as well. I can just tell it. I don't know what it is, but I can just tell. I'm not holding anything back, Gunner. And he's getting more and more fiery. He's getting a bit redder than you've seen. He has kind of an aura peeking out around him. If anything, Gunner, I'm being held back. And he looks towards his quote-unquote friends in this moment, and his eyes glow super, super bright blue. And suddenly... This aura erupts from him, finally, uh, out to about 10 feet in a big radius of flames, which look like they're very hurtful and, and very dangerous around him. I think Gunner's body, it's almost kind of like he shifts real quick, and he just darts out of the way at incredible speeds. He turns back to Fio, and he's like, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, back, back to Theo, he's, he, he then suddenly turns around and looks right at Jasper. And you, Jasper, what did you do to me? I was in the moment. I was focused. And then you, you did something. Are you an ally? Are you the one who we need to be worried about? What's your deal? His eyes are still glowing bright blue, but the aura around him starting to fade. And he's starting to shake. His fists are clenched around his axe. He's very upset and looking at everybody frantically. All right, so we'll jump to Jasper. So Nate, what is Jasper getting in this level up? What's his new stuff? Well, Jasper gets his new spells and on a long rest, he can replace one of his cantrips if he so desires. Very nice, straightforward, to the point. Yeah, it's nice and simple. And all he can sit there is as he sits there and just watching all the commotion and everything else, and Fio just sitting there trying to accuse everyone, he just looks back into his mind and he thinks for a second, why would he bother in this situation to go help someone out? And then he just slowly thinks back and asks, how many decades has it been, Priscilla? Has it been a century? Is it centuries? When is the last time I was with people like this? I remember leading them. How long has it been since I've seen you? So he's just standing there talking to himself while Theo's raging at him. Eventually he catches up to him and he realizes what he said and he'll just look over and go, I think it is just an old habit. Sometimes death is not always so kind. An old habit? That's why you, you, you broke into my head? And, and 
made me sleep? I don't... doesn't make any sense. Aegon? Be Vez? I... Why didn't you do anything? Um, she looks at you. <laughs> yeah, let's let's jump over to Vez as she's seeing this conflict erupt. Quite literally with the flames literally, licking yeah. the floor. <laughs> so just quick things with her. Not as quick as uh, Jasper, but for her level up, just shoving in Natasha's stuff. I'm not going to break it down, but... She'll get deflect missiles, so basically she can pull out ranged weapon attacks out of the air or reduce damage. So that'll be cool if we ever get attacked by arrows or something. I now have what's called dedicated weapon, and whenever I finish any sort of rest, I can choose a weapon, and it can count as a monk weapon as long as I'm proficient with it, basically. I get some key field attacks so it's another thing if I spend some key points on I can make uh, an extra unarmed strike or monk weapon as a bonus before the end of my turn and then my big one which is my subclass is actually called arms of the astral self and as a bonus action I get to summon astral arms (laughs) so those are pretty cool they do some force damage and like blow shit up a little bit not really but a little bit um yeah well Theo it's not that it's not that we weren't trying to help you it's just you don't you don't understand the whole story about what was going on we were trying to get you away from the farmer so that you didn't have to do what you ended up having to do and she looks at him and she changes I guess I can't use the word shift, that's Gunner. Back to her. <laughs> back to her natural form so that he, because she's trying to be more upfront with them now with everything. Theo, I know that you feel that people haven't been upfront with you, which is fair, and that maybe we've been holding you back some, which in some points is probably also fair. But, and she looks angry or frustrated now. I think you need to realize that you're not the only one who has to suffer the consequences of your choices. You have a group here now that you have to take into consideration. We have almost died. And she looks at Aogon. (laughs) (laughs) Because of some of the decisions that you have made and then you don't consult the rest of us with. You know, sometimes it's very hard to do these things that you want to do, Theo, and she just smacks the wall. And when she goes to do this, you see these ghost-like appendages their arms come out from where if she were to have if a person were to have four arms where you would think around the shoulder blades those would come out and she never even actually makes contact with the wall but this more astral looking fist does and the wall just busts with the force damage that she does this and then she stops talking looks at the wall has no idea what just happened (laughs) (laughs) puts her arm down looks back at Fio um, yeah, and so I think we all just need to think about our decisions before we do rash things. And she sits down <laughs> on the floor. Gutter just nodding his head like, not gonna lie, that, that, that's pretty cool. <laughs> be honest, I'm a bit jealous, but okay. Yeah, anyways, um, I guess, Aegon, I don't know. What do you have to say about all this? All right, so we'll jump to Aegon. 
So Joel, what does Aegon get during this level up? Well, first of all, Aegon, as a tiefling, uh, has a feature called Infernal Legacy, and at third level, this grants him the ability to use uh, the Hellish Rebuke spell once per day at second level. Oh. Are you going to reflavor it to Heavenish Rebuke? Because uh, well, of your ability. Your, your, I've your got class? some thoughts on it, yeah. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Uh, but as a warlock, he gets to pick his Pact Boon, third level, and. For this, he will be picking Pact of the Tome, and with that comes a fancy book that he gets, and he can bring back at short rest if it gets destroyed or something, or gets lost, and it also grants him three cantrips. And in addition to that, he gains some uh, additional spells and another use of his Healing Light class ability. And uh, I think in response to Vez, Aegon had been, while, while all this was going on, Aegon had kind of sat down and was pacing himself since last time, or since previously he had been knocked unconscious for a bit. And uh, he's just trying to steal his will, you know, so he takes his, his small prayer book out of his pack and kind of opens it to flip through it. And he notices that it's changed a bit. It's more... Uh, it's almost like it glows to him. I don't I don't think anyone else can see that type of thing, but he opens it up and there's some specific words that light up every now and then and I think that's what imparts to him this knowledge of these new spells that he he's learned. And after reading a bit of the scriptures and hearing Vez speak to him, he stands up and says, "You know what I think? I think that we all need to calm down for a bit and remember why we're here." We're not here to argue with each other or make accusations. We're here to help the people of this town. So I think it would be best if we forgive each other for our transgressions and move on so that we can accomplish our mission. I think that's well said, Aegon. Theo, you want to put away the fireworks? Theo looks for its gunner quick, still kind of haughty and, and, and flustered but then looks around him and sees that his dog is cowering in the in the corner and then realizes that there's this literal fire storm around him and he's just awestruck and quickly he drops his his axe and and is just no longer enraged he's he's just so confused and he's and he looks to gunner i i didn't know i could tuo i I'm sorry, Tuo. Uh, I think Tuo comes up to you as soon as the fire's out and starts uh, nuzzling up against you. I'm sorry, Tuo. Now, Tuo gets some cool stuff in his level up, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot we didn't do Tuo yet. Sorry. Go ahead. So, Josh, go ahead. we already talked about using Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So, Tuo, as a sidekick, gets some new abilities from the book. So... Some of it's retroactive because we're updating him from earlier. Um, but now he has some really cool abilities. For example, he has a defender ability. So he can uh, impose disadvantage on an attack against an ally if they're next to him, as long as he can see them. He has a second wind, so he can use a bonus action to gain some hit points back. So, AJ, I know you've been worried about using 2-0 in combat because you don't want him to die, but... 
now he can get some of those hit points back so he doesn't get knocked out. Woo, strong puppy. And he has an improved critical ability. So now he scores critical hits on 19s or 20s. Mm, scary boy. Yeah, so Tuo has slowly been evolving into a, uh, a battle partner. Battle but puppy. Yeah, battle puppy. Battle pupper. He's a Pokemon. We all knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but right now he's not displaying any of this hostility. He is cuddling up against Fio trying to make him feel better because he can tell he's in distress. Fio pets pets Tuo and stands up soon after. He looks back to his friends who maybe they're cowering a little bit. Maybe they're just being a little more standoffish. And he, he says, I'm sorry that I get hot-tempered. Oh, I see what I did there. Bez actually grins at him. <laughs> That's so dumb. I love it. <laughs> Didn't, it was unintentional. I, I'm just... I grew up as a firefighter back in my village, and you were taught to act because you don't have time to think, and I was just acting in the best way I knew to save his, and he looks back to the body now, all singed, both from him and and its own, and was trying to save his life because I knew you all were going to kill him without a second thought, and I wanted to try because it just didn't feel like we were trying before. We just kept killing. I'm, I'm sorry. I am brash, and I am, am, am scary at times. But I, I, I truly just wanted to do something good. And he just looks defeated and just goes sits on the fountain. And he sits there for the rest of the episode because no one else has anything to say. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they leave him down there and they go meet with I Lady I thought we Hexy. pushed him through. <laughs> it's funny. If we're going to function as a party... We're going to at least need to be cohesive. We can't be having rogue decisions, period. So, we found the farmer, and we know the wells are not a good deal, and the morgue is suspicious, and now we have a meeting with the lady, and and Fio, you're going to need some new clothes. Oh, man, really badly. there's a hole in the crotch. There's a there's a lot of things wrong with those clothes. We're going to have to get you some more and meet Laszlo before he figures out a way to have us all murdered in our sleep. So, Laszlo is scary. Yes. So I think that maybe this was probably good for us in a weird way, but I think we've got to keep moving forward together. I think we just have to quit holding back and do our best. And be heroes, right, Fio? And Gunnar kind of like punches in the shoulder, right? Be heroes. Uh, Fio uh, looks to him uh, after a second and sees that he's no longer trying to be combative and just slowly nods his head. He says, "Yeah, because pushing forward is what heroes do." And he stands up and picks his stuff off the ground and just stands there at the ready. Well, that was a lot of fun. Why don't we go uh, find new clothes? Hmm? I agree with the new clothes. Well, I think we need to go get new clothes. Right, Fio? Jasper? Jasper, you seemed weirdly 
keen on the idea of clothes. Are you like a haberdasher or something? Haberdasher? He just stares at you confused. You know, somebody who picks out clothes and styles himself up. I mean, you're kind of like a walking piece of jewelry, so I figured you... I, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to make conversation. I was created with perfectionist markings and other things like that. I do not wish to sully my creator's identity and her craftsmanship with such peasantry clothes. Master the Cat likes your peasant clothes that you've discarded. He needs them and curls into a ball on it. Oh. I found a use for the peasant clothing. <laughs> yeah, right now Jasper is complete. He's not naked because he's a machine man. Not again! But yeah, he is. he's just on display. His parts are showing. <laughs> oh my god. When you sit there and you're trying to get information and do things, people judge you first based on your appearance. I don't wish to be declined services and other things like that just because I chose to dress poorly. Information is the most valuable thing, and information must be gotten. Well, we are accepting this group, so if you want to be a nudist, I'm all for it. You know what? In fact, Gunnar starts to take off Gunnar, I swear to God. (laughs) Okay, 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 too much. Okay. I swear to the gods, yes. <laughs> Tuo whines and looks worriedly at his fur. <laughs> well, I think we should be headed out. And she walks over to Aegon, offers a hand to help him up. Uh, and Aegon will take that and say, Thank you very much, Fez. She nods, and then when he uh, stands up and... Let's go over hand. She just, her body changes back to the form that you guys are used to. And she keeps walking on. We still have never answered what we're going to do in a situation like this again. If the group is to perform actions that are outside of what the group would normally do. Perhaps Jasper will deal with that as it comes. That's a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Vez at the rope looks back at him. Uh, well, Jasper, if you haven't caught on, this group is full of terrible ideas. And she starts climbing back up the rope. <laughs> so, Janelle, it's funny that you say full of terrible ideas. Oh, no. So as Vez climbs up the hole, she gets to the top of the rope and pulls herself through the roof of the buried building onto the top of the hill in the middle of the grove. Uh, you can feel a cool breeze hit your face feels like a cold front came in the sky is kind of starting to get a little darker cloudier and you feel like the first few like cold touches as like some tiny sprinkles of water hit your face and you hear a menacing hiss come from 10 feet behind you oh no and you whirl around and look the cockatrice right in the face. Are you kidding me? <laughs> can oh can God. I, guys, can I, from the top of the hole, you just hear her go, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> Roll for initiative. No! Poor Oh my God. I wasn't expecting Janelle to be the first one to go up. Josh, quit being so aggro, man. Calm down. <laughs> she's she's who, just so take charge. You? It was not supposed to be Janelle. It's it always me. Be like this? So. It's always me. <laughs> All right. So before we go into this, 
Um, you guys are jumping into this encounter, but we are in an interesting spot where you guys have not long rested, but you have leveled up. So real quick, your hit points do not go to your maximum, but for those of you taking the standard hit point allotment, your total possible hit points increases, and then you gain hit points equal to that amount. So that way you're still missing the same number of hit points you were before you leveled up. And now this is going to be very special for AJ and Nate, who have decided to roll for their hit points instead of taking the standard. So before we jump into the combat, we are going to roll your hit points. So we'll start with Nate, because I'm really excited to see how bad you roll this time. I'm not a coward. I accept the number, baby. Woohoo! Wow, it's pathetic. It's average. It's a three. Wow. Oh, you okay, so thing. You get three hit points plus your con modifier. So how many is that, Nate? Five. Okay, so your max increases by five, and you get five hit points. So you're still a little bit behind, but it's not too bad. Now I'm and only then, four behind. And then Theo. Oh, yeah, so he rolls a d12. Oh, he rolled an eight. Eight Ooh. plus three, he Ooh. gets 11 more. Pulling ahead. Hey, nice. meat shield, come up here, help me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dang, you're up six. I think Nate's just taking all of the bad rolls and then giving me all the good ones, which I think is beneficial for both of us because for some reason Nate doesn't like having healthy characters. Well, you see, in actuality, if the wizard's being attacked, it doesn't matter how many hit points I have. I'm probably just going to go down anyways. <laughs> Poor guy. The thresholding doesn't work in my favor. Or if it's a cockatrice or pretty much any other creature thus far, you'll anybody will pretty much die <laughs> in one hit anyway. Rabbit, yeah. Not to throw shade, but to throw shade. All right, so Gunner, you're first in the initiative, but all you hear from below is... Me cussing and being very upset. <laughs> yeah, you hear Vez <laughs> cuss very loudly and angrily. Well, now, I do want to be clear, just so we can set things straight. I don't personally think it makes any sense that Vez would be all the way at the top of the rope and none of us are near the rope. No, so... you're near the rope. You okay. just don't hear the hiss of the cockatrice. So you guys are all gathered around the rope. I'm fair, Daniel. Come on, I'm fair. <laughs> yeah. So, but Janelle, did you say something about the cockatrice? Yell down at all, or? The well, we had just set the scene where she had just seen it. Uh, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> now that combat has started, she'll just look down. The cockatrice is back. Please help me not die. <laughs> Gunnar goes, don't hold back, don't hold back, don't hold back. And so how many feet is it to go up the rope? Uh, you would have to dash to get completely out of the hole. You don't know me. <laughs> oh, well, maybe. That depends on what's your movement speed. Uh, Well, normally 30, but if I attack, it becomes 40. Oh, and do you have a climb speed? Uh, No, I don't. Okay, well, you're, that would be enough for you to climb... Your 40 feet would be enough for you to climb the rope and get out of the hole. You'd, you'd brush past Vez because you're a speedy boy and you'd be able to get through before she has a chance to do anything. Oh, perfect. I'll do that and I'll stab it. Oh, okay. So Gunner just jumps up and like climbs the rope, slips past Vez as she probably ducks down and Gunner jumps out of the hole as the cockatrice spreads its wings and shrieks. I think Gunner has gone full aggro. He's been doing the drills. He's been doing the training. He's just let his confidence put him down. But now he's not holding anything back. 
I imagine his entire stance is different now. So he's going to pull out a short sword and he's going to do an attack. That's going to be a 15. A 15 will hit. Yes. Okay. So on top of that, Gunner is going to use one of his blade flourishes. Ooh. He's going to activate what's called the defensive flourish. So I expend one use of my bardic inspiration to cause weapon damage equal to my bardic inspiration die, which I believe is still a d6. Yes, it's a d6. So yeah, he's going to roll normal damage and he's going to roll his bardic inspiration die for damage. Yeah, that's going to be nine damage total. And until the start of my next turn, my AC increases by three. Nice. So Gunner jumps up, lets loose a flurry of slashes at the cockatrice, and then moves into a defensive position. Yeah, and I think just to kind of help out, let's see, Bez's looks a little beat up. Uh, he is going to cast Healing Word as a bonus action on Bez, but he's going to use a second level spell slot. Wow. I roll 2d4. So that's going to be, uh, you gain back eight hit points. Wow, almost back to full health. Woo. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Could take more than one hit, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Thank you. You're welcome. That's my turn. All right, so we'll next we'll move on to Aegon. You just saw Gunner dash up the rope past Vez, and you heard uh, an angry shriek from above, so you can probably guess what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, seeing the haste with which Gunner uh, scaled the rope, Aegon is going to do the same thing, except he'll have to dash to get all the way up, as you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I believe that will leave him with 10 extra feet of movement, correct? Yes. Okay, so then he's going to back off to uh, a bit south of where everyone else is. Okay, so you're going to try to duck into the trees and undergrowth. Yeah, yeah. And with that, uh, Aegon will wheel around to take in the situation, but there's nothing else he can do this turn. Well, you're probably about to take in a stinger, so we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Vez, you're next. So you duck down when you see the cockatrice and Gunner jumps up. So what are you going to do now? I think if Gunner's going to be brave, there's no way in hell she's going (laughs) to let him show her up. And I think she's accepted her fate. If she's supposed to die by cockatrice, she's going to die by cockatrice. (laughs) So after her little moment downstairs, she's starting to come to the realization that her key has evolved into something more. So she's going to move away from the hole a little bit and basically go around to the other side of the cockatrice opposite of Gunner and try this thing out for a spin with her new power basically what's going to happen is she'll spend a key point and she'll summon her arms and with this each creature of my choice that I can see within 10 feet has to succeed on a dex save or they'll take force damage so I'll need a dex save it's like a flurry of blows but a bunch of fists are coming and punching yeah Two, but yeah, I have two extra arms. They they move so fast that it looks like a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> well, the cockatrice got a four. Well, that ain't, that's not gonna do it. So, let's see. Two of my martial 
So that's going to be six damage just from that. And then, so my arms last for 10 minutes until I uh, eventually get incapacitated. So we'll see how long those last. And then I can use them to make unarmed strikes, basically. And I have greater reach with them, five feet greater than normal reach. Oh, wow. So you can hit from 10 feet away now. Yes. And so she's moved. I've used my bonus action. And then I'll have her do her attack with my with her staff with two hands two of her real hands uh that's just an 18 on the die that'll definitely hit how mad would you be if i just said that and missed well that was just on the die i have more stuff to add <laughs> i'd be very mad because i would want to know what happened to the cockatrice when it leveled up <laughs> it's ac increases as hp decreases <laughs> oh god greatest monster ever <laughs> okay self-healing crystal in structure <laughs> uh and that is going to be nine bludgeoning oh, wow. damage nice all right so you pummel it with all these fists and you actually hit its wounded leg and it kind of like buckles for a second under the the weight of that pain and then it whirls around and hisses at you with a very angry look on its chicken-like face. She makes full-on eye contact. She's so done with this thing. <laughs> yeah, you see, like we see your reflection in its eyeball. All right, so we're on to Fio. Fio's a little bit slower uh, than than the other fast boys and girls above him, so he's gonna he's gonna use all of his his strength and his speed to get up that rope. He's he's gonna have to dash, but first he's gonna look down to his dog Tuo. He just doesn't have the time to tie him up to, to get him up there, so he's just gonna look to Tuo, Veda, to get him to stay. And then he's just gonna scurry on up. All right, so you have to dash to get up top, so you've got another 10 feet. Right, um, I think what he's gonna do is not get in front of it necessarily. He needs to get his bearings and see what uh, Aegon and Jasper do, because he can see that Vez and I forgot Gunner's name. My God! Wow! <laughs> How dare you? Vez and Gunner are, are holding their own right now, and they're not taking too much hit. So he's just gonna see what's going. Dying. Right? They're not dying yet. <laughs> so he's just trying to get his bearings. Once he gets up there, he's gonna move over about ten feet to be in front of it, but away from the hole to give Jasper some room. And he's gonna prepare to attack once he can on his next turn. All right. So then it's the cockatrice's turn. Even though it originally had eyes for Gunner, it is going to whirl around at Vez. Probably recognizes me. <laughs> you feel like it, you can see like a glimmer of recognition in its bestial eyes, and it is going to try to stab at you with its tail stinger. That is going to be a 14 to hit. Nope, does not hit. All right, so you duck out of the way, and the stinger slices the air right below your left arm. She's learning. <laughs> <laughs> Clever girl. She's seen this before. It's now it's Jasper's turn. Jasper's just, I guess, going to uh, stay down there. It's not my fight. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be just very tempting at this point. We haven't discussed what happens if people do the opposite. So uh, there's no liability in this uh, plan at all. <laughs> God. But he will sit there and I guess have the cat jump on his back and go, let's go. 
Need to climb. Two, two of wines as you uh, carry the cat up with you. <laughs> Smelly dogs deserve to stay down. Oh, <laughs> oh man. That's horrid. Theo's going to have a talk with Jasper about dogs. It's not like you heard him. Yeah, you didn't hear him. God But Tuo did. <laughs> Tuo's going to have a mean talking to you later. Tuo can't speak common, but he can understand it. That's fine. We can eliminate the dog later if he's a problem. Oh, oh no! Oh, the plot thickens. He hates dogs. That this is oh, obvious from the beginning. Poor dog. The depth he tolerates so anyway, the cat. So yeah, Jasper, you're gonna dash to get to the top, then. And I guess I'll just move over here into the nice trees, and uh, probably just start uh, gazing upon what everyone else is gonna happen because uh, it's gonna have to be a while before he gets to go. Okay, so he's just gonna sit and watch. And it's going to be a bit of a show because it's back to Gunner. You've got a very angry, shrieking cockatrice in front of you. G- Gunner just looks at him and he shrieks back. He's like, ah, see, I I can do that too. And Gunner stabs him. <laughs> oh my God. Gunner gets He's a 13. Nuts. 13 will not hit the cockatrice. It flaps its massive wings and flies out of reach of your blade. Oh, well, that's okay because as soon as it least expects it, Gunner whirs around with his other short sword. It's a bonus action. And that's going to be 15. That will hit. It gets away. thinks it's so cool. And then Gunner literally does like a cool like... Pirouette? A what? <laughs> it's a ballet move. Anyways, mo- go go ahead. Well, it's, all, it's also used extensively in the Witcher books to describe spinning while fighting with the sword. So I think it's a cool word. You do a fancy spin. You know what? He does a fucking front flip and then stabs it. (laughs) He has plus seven in acrobatic. I can do that, darn it. Uh, So yeah, I did six damage. All right, so yeah, you slash at it and you cut off some more of its feathers and it doesn't look happy at all. Okay, so that's my action. You could could argue it looks very unhappy. Yeah, so that's my action, my bonus action, and uh, I'm not going to move, so there we are. All right, so you're engaged in the cockatrice, and it's on to Aegon. You're about 20 feet back watching all of this unfold. Yes. Uh, and seeing that the cockatrice is continuing its attacks or, or hasn't fled yet, Aegon will draw his rod once more and fire an Eldritch Blast at it. Yeah. Uh, and that is a 19 on the die. That will hit. Oh, damage? And we will deal six force damage to it. Oh, nice. So, yeah, you fire off your streaks of light, and they blast against its side, and it turns and looks at you now. Wonderful. With that, uh, Aegon is done. All right, on to Vez. We're going to hit it again. And again and again? Again and again and again, yeah. Okay, so we're going to try to hit it with my stick. My very angry stick. (laughs) (laughs) That is a 22 total. That will hit. Nice. A good hit. It's an angry stick. Okay. (laughs) Not very angry stick. That'll be four. Four damage. Oh. (laughs) It's too busy being angry at Aegon to notice your blows. Then she'll use her last key point for right now and do Furia Blows. I'm ready for this thing to be dead. <laughs> and Alrighty. 
so it'll be two unarmed strikes with her new Astral Fist. I don't know about that first one. Uh, that'll be 13. That will not hit. And the second one. 15? <laughs> that will hit. Okay. <laughs> uh, that will be four damage. All right, well, Cockfrice is looking at you again. Yep, there you go, Aegon. All good. Thank you very much. <laughs> so yeah, turns and hisses at Aegon, and then you just deliver another barrage of hits, and it turns, it's confused and wild and freaking out. So now it's on to Theo. Okay, now that Theo knows what's going on, he sees that his allies are, are doing pretty good. This cockroach doesn't seem so bad this time. So he's going to run up himself and attack real quick. Uh, I don't think he's going to do reckless attack because he's not feeling too great. He spent a lot of energy today in the few hours of the morning. So he's just, he's not feeling it too much. That is a 17 to hit. That will hit. Okay, so it's just a d12. Just a d12, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I rolled max damage. So that's oh my god, AJ. <laughs> so that's 14 damage. <laughs> All right. And he's just going to be at the ready and kind of just re- waiting for this thing to attack him. He's got his axe up and everything. And two is just going to be down there barking away, trying to see what's going on. So yeah, you swing forward, you sink your axe into like its shoulder, and it shrieks and pulls away. And then it's the cockatrice's turn, and it is going to try to flee. So it is just going to try to fly straight upward. The three of you, Gunner, Theo, and Vez, all going to make opportunity attacks against it as it flies up. Cool. Theo's definitely going to try to swing (laughs) at it. He sees this much more as a danger. I got a 21. Okay, so Gunner, you hit. Pio? I got 11 plus 4. It's 15 to hit. Okay, that'll hit as well. And Vez? Uh, let's see, that's 17 on the die. And okay, then... so that, that'll that definitely hit as well. So Gunner, what's your damage? Minimum damage. I got 4 piercing. All right, so you like clip its toe as it flies up. Pio? <laughs> I also got minimal damage. Three. Oh, no. <laughs> I got Vez? one more than minimal damage, so I got five. <laughs> Ooh. Well, that's still altogether a lot. Yeah. All right, oh, so man. the cockatrice flies 30 feet up to the treetops, and then it begins to fly north across the tops of the trees to escape from you guys. So it's going to dash and like fly above the tree. You can see it enough, but if you try to hit it with range attacks, it's gonna have pretty heavy cover. So Jasper, it's your turn. Cocktrice is fleeing. How far is it? Is it within 90 feet? It's about 55 feet away from you. And how high up is it? Well, I I was estimating based on its distance and aerial distance. Because it might die after this. Uh, I'm gonna cast sleep. Oh, you're gonna cast sleep on it? Oh. Well, alrighty. So why don't, you, why don't you tell the audience real quick what sleep does? Roll 5d8, and it basically puts the target straight to sleep, just like the potions that uh, hit the party before. Same thing, except I got the spell. Assuming its health points are below your roll, right? Yes. Okay. All right, well, let's let's roll. And it's, it's not hit point maximum, it's its current hit points. Oh, right, 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 right. That's 5d8. 
which I'm assuming even a minimum roll probably will just pass at this point. So 29 hit points. All right, so you cast Sleep, and the cockatrice's shriek as it flies away fades, and its wings begin to flap slower and slower, and it falls asleep mid-flight. Oh, man. And falls 30 feet to the ground. (laughs) Oh, my God. So Taking 12 points of damage. So there's a loud snap as its head hits the ground and its neck breaks. (laughs) And as you guys see it, you can see it thrashing around as its nerves begin to fire like a headless chicken. So it still looks like it's thrashing around and fighting, but it's not making any noise as it kicks up dirt and grass and dust. And after about 30 seconds, it just resorts to slowly flapping its wings but you know it's dead. Oh, that's don't horrid. Sm- don't worry, guys. I put it down. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Talk about yeah. grounded. Get wrecked, cockatrice. Oh, my God. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it and our other episodes with your friends, family, and co-workers. Your boss, if you're daring. Visit our website to find your copy of a D&D Quick Starter Guide, and feel free to join our growing community on the various social media platforms in the description. There, we discuss episodes, Dungeons & Dragons, and STEM topics that we all love. Thanks again for listening. We can't wait to see you here at Applied Dungeoneering. Some of the background music and ambience in this episode is from Sirenscape. Enhance your gaming table at sirenscape.com. The songs Waterkeep Night, Weirder Things 2, and Salt Marsh are from Tabletop Audio at tabletopaudio.com. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0. Creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by dash nc dash nd slash 4.0.